is the Under Centre Podcast. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Under Centre Podcast. I'm your host, Dara Mar, and I am, of course, joined by my uh, co-host in crime. And uh, probably actually now at this rate for our review shows, Rain, it seems to be just ourselves that seem to do it a lot of the time now. Uh, of course, Rain Malloy joining me. How are you, man? Good, good. I think we do it because we're the ones who need the therapy. It's always a, a bad time for our teams most of the time. Uh, yeah, no, look, doing as well as he can be after another another loss at the weekend. Well, I think one one person that needs the therapy more than us is your brother. Yeah, yeah. Losing to the Cowboys, not a good not a good look. That's it. Losing to the Cowboys indeed. And we'll get on to that game as part of a review of all the games. So what, that, what we like to do every Tuesday night, that is, we'll go through all the games in under an hour, talk about the main uh, topics, co- main questions coming out of those, those games. Um, so I guess we'll head straight into it. But before we do, of course, I should mention that this show today is brought to you in partnership with Locker. Locker is a new sports app that centralizes premium sports content and puts the power of in the hands to, of fans to personalize their world of sport, including a range of premium NFL sources that can be tailored to your fan experience. Download the app for free in the Irish or UK iOS and Play Store today. So let's get straight in then to the reviews and I guess... I think we should probably start with the highest scoring game of the weekend. What do you think? I think that's, uh, oh, that's my Seattle Seahawks. The Seattle Seahawks 48, the Detroit Lions 45 in. I guess if you need a definition for a shootout, this was it. An absolutely bonkers game. Not one to watch now if you're a lover of good defenses like I tend to be. But still a, a thoroughly entertaining game. Uh, the first time in Seahawks history, actually, that they did not have to punt once, um, which is actually unbelievable to say. Being a Seahawks fan, you would, if you are a Seahawks fan, you know that punting is just part and parcel with you know running the football when it comes to being, uh, being a Seahawks fan. Uh, the running backs finally got things going after their early season struggle. Rashad Penny going in for two touchdowns and over 100 yards rushing um but the defense again struggled defense on both sides struggled uh the lions were missing two important players of course deandre swift and amon ross st brown but i would question whether or not they actually missed them because they pretty much scored on every drive as well in this game so i don't think it would have changed too much for them it was the defense that was the issue for them but Rain a really really enjoyable game for the neutral. Yeah, absolutely. It was like watching college football on a Sunday. Uh, a lot of scoring, a lot of offense, and not much defense being played at all. Um, I think for me, the Lions need to start getting worried about losing these games by one score. Um, where they're scoring over thirty five points, like every other team in the league, when you score thirty five, you win a game. That's how it works. But now they've done that three times this season and lost those three games so yeah not really a good look for the lions um but yeah the, the seahawks looked great on offense uh and i'm really buying into all this geno hype 
Yeah, of course, Gino uh, going for 320 yards and two touchdowns and adding a, a rushing touchdown into it as well. But one thing that's been impressive in these last two games, especially we've seen, is the connection that he's getting with DK Metcalf. Metcalf in this game uh, going for over um, 100 yards. Uh, didn't score a touchdown, but was still very effective in the passing game. The same with the game last week against the Falcons. And what, what many would have feared with with Metcalf losing Russell Wilson was that his productivity would go down but now we've seen in the last two weeks that that's definitely not the case yeah it's finally starting to click between the two of them uh, I think that uh, that zero on the TD kind of box score is gonna annoy him going into next week and that's just gonna make him even more dangerous I think uh, so expect him to have another big game next week uh, and expect that connection between himself and Gino to uh, grow and grow as the weeks go on well if he keeps putting up those numbers for sure he can take whatever cart he wants to go to the bathroom which is what he did of course on Sunday which I'll tell you as a Seahawks fan my heart was in my mouth a little bit they're seeing him on the cart going towards the locker room before finding out the reason why but um, because that's one injury that, that they don't want to see for sure. But yeah, a, a, a very entertaining game for the neutral and for Seahawks fans. Maybe a bit for the Lions fans getting to see Jared Goff, you know, score four touchdowns as well himself in that game too. And TJ Hawkinson going for a franchise record in receiving yards as well for a tight end. So a very entertaining game. The Lions go to one and three. The Seahawks are now back to 502 and two. So uh, we'll see, like you mentioned, the 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 Lions have um, some real concerns on the defense with even um, some murmurs going around that defensive coordinator Aaron Glenn could be losing his job soon if things don't turn around. But we'll move on to the next game. Um, and that is the Buffalo Bills 23, the Baltimore Ravens 20. The Bills were down 20 points to three at one point in this game before mounting a comeback to get a vital win um, in this AFC matchup to uh, com- continue to uh, go, continue, I should say, to stay in first place in the AFC East. Rian, sort of after their loss to the Dolphins last week, it was important that the Bills bounce back. But for a long, long periods in this game, it looked like that wasn't going to be the case. Yeah, it absolutely did. The Ravens looked very strong. Lamar Jackson continuing his kind of run towards that uh, MVP contention. Um, Now, I think the major talking point on this one was that fourth down at the end of the game. uh, They put the ball in Lamar Jackson's hands and it was intercepted. Um, To me, uh, look, the analytics said you had a 71% chance of winning by going forward and forth down in that situation. It was a 67% chance of winning by kicking the field goal. Um, So obviously analytics, yeah, 4%, great, do that. But they hadn't scored a point in a long time at that point. And the three points would have done a lot to go towards winning that game. I don't know if you agree with me here, Darren, but I think it was a surefire mistake to be going forward and forth down and goal uh, on that that, uh, particular play. No, I fully agree. And the fact, like like you mentioned, the the Ravens had not scored at all in the second half, um, up to that point, and obviously they continued to to not at all. Um, yeah, I think it it was it, it was the wrong decision. They should have went for the, um, they should have went sorry for the for the field goal, 
um, it would have then forced the Bills to at least score that field goal to even tie this game. Um, so they could try and win it again in overtime. But yeah, I, it's just, uh, you know, this is the, the, the part of the analytics side of the game where, you know, I guess common sense or, you know, that feeling sort of, it, it leaves and you should be going for that sort of good feeling instead that like, okay, we should be going for this field goal um, instead. And like for a lot of that game, the Bills, the Bills did struggle and, and Josh Allen did struggle. Now you could put that down to the conditions. It was a tough game for quarterbacks because even Lamar himself, you know, only thrown for 144 yards in that game and, and being picked off twice. Um, Josh Allen getting picked off twice himself, but he himself rushing in for a touchdown um, where Lamar, of course, didn't. But, you know, it's, it's all sort of teams have these wobbly spells. And after the game last week against the Miami Dolphins, everyone said this is the Bills' wobbly patch in comparison to when the Rams had their wobbly patch at the start of the year before they went on to win the Super Bowl. But, you know, I, I think, like, with this, it's it's one of these... I I compare it to, like, going and watching football, Um, you know, in the days that United used to... Man United used to win leagues and stuff like that. There was games in the year that they would not play well, but one way or another, they'd grind out that victory, and those would be so important come the end of the year. And this is definitely one of them that when it comes to seeding at the end of the regular season and who's going to get home field advantage, this win is going to be vital. Absolutely, yeah. And that's that's like a, a hallmark of all Super Bowl teams is that they win those gritty games uh, on the road in poor conditions when they really need to win it. They may not do it and look pretty doing it, but they get the job done. And I think that's really important for the Bills that they did win that game. It now puts them in a much stronger position moving forward. And as they get healthier and healthier, and you know, they're pretty banged up at the moment. Uh, they're going to be a team to be reckoned with. Yeah, for sure. Let's uh, let's move on then to the only undefeated team left in the NFL. That is the Philadelphia Eagles 29, the Jacksonville Jaguars. 21 and um, the Eagles coming back from 14 down 14 nil down to uh, beat the Jags and spoil the day of former head coach Doug Peterson. Uh, the damage was done on the ground in these horrible conditions again in um just like in Baltimore and um, the the rain and the wind was awful there at Lincoln Financial. Um two rushing touchdowns from Miles Sanders, one for Kenneth Gainwell and, and Jalen Hurts adding a, a rushing touchdown as well. A really, really tough day for Trevor Lawrence. 11 of 23 for 174 yards, two touchdowns, but one interception, sacked four times, but also fumbled the ball four times in that game as well. So a really, really tough day for the second year uh, quarterback in Jacksonville. But the Eagles continue to impress um, and seem to be backing up their early season hype. I want to ask you this question. Do you, are, are they proving to be legitimate Super Bowl contenders? Or is it the case that they're just beating four teams that had losing records last year and it's just the way the schedule has fallen? Yeah, I think I think their uh, their schedule is pretty backloaded. I still want to. I still have questions about that offense. I don't think Sanders is a um, an elite running back. I don't think Jalen Hurts is an elite quarterback. Their wide receivers are very good, uh, but I want to see them play against an elite defense. And none of the first four teams that they've played against have been uh, that. 
Now, that being said, this was a very, very good performance to come back from 14 points down. Turnovers obviously killed the Jaguars, but uh, for the most part, someone has to force those takeaways, and uh, the Eagles did that. So, impressive on that front, and uh, yeah, I can see them definitely being... um, playoff contenders but i'm not sure if they have that super bowl caliber yet uh, i'm going to kind of not really give an opinion on it yet because i want to see them play against a top class defense before i can make that um make that call yeah um just looking here at their schedule the next five games if i'm looking at it it's at the at the cardinals i should say that you know do have some pieces to their defense i wouldn't say they're an elite defense but i'd say they'd be better than a lot of the defenses that they face so far and then against the steelers at home um now i'd imagine if t if tj watt was playing in that game um, it would be a lot tougher for them um but i'm not too sure if that's going to be the elite defense that we hope to see them up against then they're going to houston to face the texans again not not the best defense um at home to the commanders um who knows what state they'll be in by the time that game comes around or who'll be in charge and then away to the indianapolis colts so that is going to be that'll be a tough game now for sure in indy and we've seen that they've been able to give games to the likes of the Chiefs this year but also they've had some some bad losses at home this year that we'll talk about in a little a uh, little while too but we'll move on then to let's move on to one of the late games and that was the one in Las Vegas it was the Las Vegas Raiders 32 the Denver then Denver Denver Broncos 30 or 23 uh the Raiders uh, get their first win of the season uh the Broncos showed some life um, on offense with Russ, tra- Russ trying for two touchdowns and getting a rushing touchdown of his own. Um, was sacked three times. The the big story coming out of this game, of course, was them losing their star running back, Javante Williams, to a torn ACL. Um, the Broncos going 2-2 two and two for the year. The Raiders now are 1-3. It is such a tight division um, with the Broncos still only one game back on the, the division-leading Chiefs. But, you know... This sort of loss in against a division rival, these ones can be soul crushing. They can absolutely. You know there are positives to take from this game for the Broncos. I think it's the first time that they scored two offensive touchdowns in a game this year, um, which is amazing with the amount of you know talent that they have on offense. Um, but yeah, it looks like the Raiders kind of found their identity a little bit in that game. Uh, they didn't put the, the all of the onus on Derek Carr thrown for 400 yards. They handed the ball off to Josh Jacobs, and he did a very, very good job and went in for a couple of touchdowns. Um, so I think this has kind of been a little bit of a, an awakening game uh, in terms of the offense for both sides. Um, but obviously, you know, the Raiders came out on top, and that's got to be sickening for the Broncos. Yeah, and you mentioned it perfectly there with the the Raiders rushing game that Josh Jacobs was able to take over that game, which meant that, you know, the Broncos were probably putting more people in the box to stop the run, which then gave them the chance to have these like one-on-one shots for Devontae Adams against Patrick Sertan in this case, um, so that they could give him the ball more. And we saw it there with with Adams getting, you know, uh, nine receptions for 101 yards and 13 targets. That would be the sort of, uh, what he would expect week in, week out. And like that, if they can get the rushing attack going, 
he'll see more and more games like that um, as we progress. And, you know, for the Denver Broncos, injuries are starting to mount up more and more as well. They have the short week this week going up against the Colts as well um, in uh, in Empower Field there in, in Denver, um, which, of course, we will look forward to in more detail later on in the week. Um, but with the uh, with the offense as well and with Russ, you know, it's it, I have seen a lot of um, uh, Broncos fans uh, timelines on on Twitter, and it's uh, it's it's quite refreshing to see because they're complaining about the exact same things. And the followers here, you back me up on this, but the exact same things uh, Seahawks fans complained about Russ with holding on to the ball too long, getting sacks, and only going for the deep ball, but. Hey, look, listen, that's just, I, I, I am going to stop eventually making fun about it when it stops being funny, but it hasn't stopped being funny yet. So I'm going to keep, but we are, but we're going to keep going and move on to the next part um, of the show. And we're going to look at the London game, Minnesota Vikings 28, the New Orleans Saints 25, a double doink miss field goal from Will Lutz right at the very end denies the Saints the chance to go to uh, overtime against the Vikings who squeak out a win here um, in the London game. Uh, Rian, uh, what was your uh, thoughts on this? Yeah, very unlucky by Will Lutz to uh, double doink that one. It looked like it was going in from the very moment he kicked it. Uh, you saw all of his O-line, the coaches on the sideline were all celebrating before it kind of started to drift out and drift out and just hit the post. Uh, yeah, very difficult to see, very difficult to watch. But um, what struck me was how conservative Andy Dalton was in the first half playing for the Saints. I understand it's his first start for the Saints uh, in the regular season. So... Maybe he was just going, right, I don't want to lose this game. I may not win it, but I don't want to lose it. But it, it, it kind of just killed their chances a little bit. Now, their defense was very strong. They uh, they stopped the Vikings in the red zone a couple of times there in the first half. Um, but yeah, look, the, the, Viking lo- the Vikings looked pretty strong again. They were able to move the ball. They did have those few red zone issues. Um, but they got Jefferson in the end zone again. And uh, they came out with the W, which is not always a given when you travel so far uh, to play your game. Yeah. And look, it, with, with Dalton as well, it should be, it should be noted that of course, you know, obviously with James Winston missing, he's going to be playing that game. But Alvin Kamara was a, a late, you know, decision to sit out this game. They were also missing Michael Thomas. So, you know, they, they were missing some key pieces to that offense. Um, so I guess you could, should commend them as well for staying in the game as long as they did um, and still being able to score the, the 25 points. You know, um, they of course, now they go back and, and they have a short week, uh, not a short week, but like a, a quick turnaround because um, normally teams to play in London go on the bye. They're not. They're playing again now this week. Um, the Saints are playing, actually, uh, they're entertaining the Seahawks at home. And the... Um, the Vikings have a, an NFC North matchup against the Bears at home as well. So, you know, um, some, a really tough week now in store for, for both teams. Right. And I just wonder, is this kind of move away from the bye week after the London games, is this kind of a trial run to see how a franchise in London would work? Because they can't give everybody a bye week as soon as they travel to London. I, I, that's just I think something it, that popped I th- into my head. I think teams are given the choice. 
Um, they're right. given the choice if they want to take up their bye week after their London game when they're chosen for it. And obviously with it being so early in the season, you can sort of understand why, te- why yeah. both sides don't want to have their bye week now. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But yeah, as you said, it's going to be a tough week for both of them. Uh, Saints being banged up, it's another opportunity for the Seahawks to go and get a W there. Yeah, and we'll see, and we'll see, um, because that is obviously a much uh, stouter defense than the Lions, and um, we'll see what happens there with that game. Um, on on the other side of things, with the with the Vikings, how have you been with? Uh, how how have you felt? Um, Kevin O'Connell has done in his first year as a head coach. Yeah, I think I think he's doing all right. I mean, he's he's right up there with uh, Green Bay, three and one to start the year. That's as good as you can expect, and um, particularly beating Green Bay in the first game of the season. That's uh, always a sweet one to to have. Um, I'm impressed. I'm impressed, and I like what he's doing in terms of like we saw that fake punt that went for uh, whatever it was, twenty yards. That was very nice. It's something that you don't often see from the Vikings. Um, so I like what he's doing there. He's kind of instilling his own uh, brand of football on the team, and it seems to be working out well. Okay, very good. Let's uh, go back to some of the early games then from last week, and uh, let's actually talk about the AFC South matchup, and that was, of course, the Tennessee Titans 24, the Indianapolis Colts 17. Um, all the damage was done in the first half by the Titans, scoring 24 points in the first two quarters um, to lead by 24 points to 10 at half time. Derrick Henry sort of seems to have warmed up now after the first two weeks where he was a little underwhelming. Last week and this week, he is um, definitely the sort of Derrick Henry of old and looks like he's getting over his um, foot injury quite well um a tough day again for the Colts um in terms of uh, moving the ball on offense uh, Matt Ryan passed for 300 over 350 yards again with two touchdowns and interception but uh it sort of struggled on the ground again with Jonathan Taylor only going for 42 yards from 20 carries and now is an injury doubt for their uh, Thursday night game against the Broncos but uh, Rain, in this uh, game between the two sides we expect to battle it out for the AFC South title this year, it seems as though um, that the uh, the Titans are still um, holding on to that uh, crown as AFC as the team to beat, I should say, in the AFC South. Yeah, they they, they seem to be. Um, I was pretty surprised with with Matt Ryan's performance. You know, he still got those good numbers: three hundred and fifty yards passing, two touchdowns. But this kind of inability to uh, hold on to the football has been creeping into his game a little bit uh, over the past season. Um, like he had another two fumbles um, at the weekend, and that's something that really costs the team. Like even if they're recovered. They are going for negative yardage. Um, it's obviously being exacerbated by the fact that uh, JT can't get the ball going on the ground at all. Uh, I don't know how you go from being the leading rusher in the year one season to not being able to to do it at all uh, the season after. Like That O-line hasn't really taken much damage. I mean, I guess Taylor Lewan is out at the moment, is he? That's on the Tennessee side, though. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. So, yeah, their they're, um, they're O-line is fine. Uh, I, I don't see where this issue has come from. I think it's with teams now that they are 
they are just loading the box. Sorry, they are just loading the box to to stop the the Colts, and they're allowing sort of the the Colts, you know, receiving core to go one on one with their defense and think that they'd be able to do it because. This seems as though, and it was the same last year when he was with the Falcons, Matt Ryan has no problem taking a team down the field. It's red zone where he's having a lot of issues and, and, and trying to push the ball in for uh, for scores and, you know, relying again on, you know, his tight ends. This, this week it was Mo Ali Cox getting the, the two touchdowns. Um, last week, I think what was it, Jelani Woods was the one that got the two touchdowns last week um, for the Colts. So, you know, their their wide receivers aren't probably um helping enough to sort of, you know, warrant more defenders to be going in the backfield to uh to help, which would then open up the running game for Jonathan Taylor a bit more. So I get I guess until you know the passing game starts becoming more of a threat, especially in the red zone, we might continue to see the struggles for Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, I think I think you might be right there. I think you hit the nail on the head. Oh, thank you. Well, you know, I have some insightful analysis every now and again, you know, um, but not often, not often. That's my one now for the month. So come back to me again in November when I'll have something, uh, something more insightful. It could be about your team. You'll never know. Uh, let's have a look at the, yeah, let's talk about this game. The, uh, yes, sorry. Um, if everything would work for me, that would be great. Here we are now. Yes. The New York Jets 20, the Pittsburgh State. The, no, New York Jets 24, sorry, the Pittsburgh Steelers 20. Uh, Zach Wilson made his comeback in this game. Um, he struggled earlier on, but led the team to a fourth quarter victory against the Pittsburgh Steelers, who introduced the NFL world to Kenny Pickett, who made his debut, who was brought on in the second half of this game after Mitch Trubisky again had a very poor first half as the Pittsburgh Steelers starting quarterback. We now know that he will not be the starting quarterback anymore. Um, Rain, there was a lot of, you know, positive, uh, positive things said about Kenny Pickett's debut. They, it seems like a breath of fresh air, but we can't forget the fact that he did not throw for a touchdown. He threw three interceptions. Um, and uh, now, Look, don't get me wrong, he still rushed for two touchdowns as well in the red zone. But, you know, for fans that are thinking that this is the the, the jump start to the Pittsburgh season, I think we have to put the, the, the brakes on it just a little bit. Yeah, uh, talk about a chaotic start to your NFL career. Uh, obviously, two rushing touchdowns, that's a major positive. He had 10 of 13 passing. Uh, excellent completion percentage there. But the three interceptions, so he did not incomplete a pass. Every pass that did not go for a reception went for an interception. That's chaotic. Um, I don't really like Kenny Pickett as a quarterback. I don't think he has the physical traits to make it as a an NFL quarterback. He doesn't have the arm strength. His hands are too small. Um, yeah, it, to me... He's being rushed into this a little bit. Um, I don't think he's going to be the kickstarter for the Steelers um, on offense. But who knows? You never know in this league. He could come out next week and shock us all. But I just don't see the physical traits don't match up with, the, with what the Pittsburgh fans are saying is going to happen. 
Mm-hmm. And on the, the Jets side of things, you know, an important victory to go to two and two for the season. And um, Joe Flacco did what he could in those first three games of the year to sort of keep things going. And of course, getting that win against the Browns was was great. Now, Zach Wilson is here. And a lot of hype around him this year, and especially with the sort of, you know, offense that he's going to be in charge of. Um, what did you make of, of Zach Wilson's first game of the 2022 season? Yeah, like you said yourself, it started out a little bit rough for him. Um, but, you know, he grew into the game. He did lead that game-winning drive at the end. Uh, so definitely positives to be had. Um, he's obviously an upgrade on Joe Flacco. Um, so, yeah, I think he's going to be only positive for this team. Uh, he just needs to take care of the ball more, right? That was an issue for him last season. Uh, and throwing two picks in his comeback uh, this season Um worries me just a little bit he just needs to be more careful where he puts the football yeah uh, totally um let's move on then to we'll stay in the afc let's talk about yeah let's talk about the la chargers um they went to houston and beat the texans by 34 points to 24 the star of the show in this game was obviously austin eckler who uh, scored three touchdowns in the game two rushing and one receiving um, a great bounce back win for the Chargers after their shock loss last week against the Jaguars. And uh, it looks as though jo- Justin Herbert is sort of, you know, doing okay um, with the rib injury. He, he's he's going on. He's, I wouldn't say he's probably at full health right now. He's probably in a bit of pain, um, but he is going to continue on. The kind of a breakout game for uh, running back Damian Pierce on the other side as well. Um, going for a, a 75-yard touchdown in the game. Um, but a, a much-needed win for the Chargers in this one, Rin. Absolutely. And the, the Texans this season, you know, they're not just a, a gimme win like I thought they were going to be. It's they, They're a tough opposition to beat. They're um, a sleeper they, team. <laughs> they're a sleeper team. As you said, yeah. yeah they, they just need to win games now. That's all they need yeah, to do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, it's a, it's all well and good being tough to beat, but when you're getting beat all the time, it's it's not great. Um, but still, the Chargers did what they had to do. Uh, Justin Herbert looked a bit more comfortable than he did last week. Um, and yeah, like you said, Austin Eckler broke out last week. I think that's the first rushing touchdown that the Chargers had all season. Um, so look for more of that going forward. Yep, uh, for sure. And with Mike Williams as well getting more involved in the offense, going for 120 yards. Gerald Everett, Everett getting involved too in the offense, uh, going for a touchdown and, and 61 yards from five receptions. Um, the one worry I have is, I guess, with Davis, Davis Mills is he's not progressing um, in the early stages of this season as probably the Texans would have hoped. Um, going for trying two touchdowns this week, but uh, also trying two interceptions, sacked four times as well. Now, you can't always put it on the quarterback for sacks, it has to be some down to the O line as well. Um, but yeah, a, a, a tough uh start to the season for the young quarterback, yeah, it has been. And I think you know, he was kind of put in a tough situation, like Davis Mills was never going to be. He was never expecting, I think, himself to be a starting quarterback in the league uh, in his first, let alone his second season in in the league. Um, and, you know, the, the the pieces he has around him are not exactly... The, the offense is not star-studded, right? So they have 
uh, guys like Brandon Cooks, who is a decent wide receiver in the league. But outside of that, who has he really got to throw the ball to? His running backs, fair enough. Damian Pierce uh, looks to be a stud, but he is still a rookie. Um, he hasn't really been given the opportunity to to grow in his position. Um, but at the same time, you know, you can't always put that on the coaching staff. I think part of that has to be on Davis Mills himself. I think he needs to show more progression. Like I said about um, Wilson, he needs to take care of the football better. Yeah. Yeah, and a tough, uh, a tough slate of games coming up for the Texans too, who now are the only side in the NFL without a win. Um, games coming up against the Jaguars, the Raiders, the Titans, the Eagles and the Giants just in the next five alone. So that's going to be tough. And like you said, they, they battle a lot and you know, and, and you want to, you like to see them battle, but they need to get some wins on the board or else they are going to be, you know, in that number one slot for the next NFL draft. And they don't think, um, I don't think Texans fans can go another year without um, at least a few wins on the board. Right. Yeah. Now, I think the only positive there is that uh, Bryce Young is sitting there coming out of Alabama. He's going to be NFL ready. So whoever's got that number one pick has got themselves a stud of a quarterback coming into the league next year. Um, so, yeah, maybe the fans of the Texans are actually okay with losing all of these games. Maybe they want Bryce Young because he's definitely going to be an upgrade to Davis Mills. Well, cue the Bryce Young shoulder injury narrative coming up throughout now the next yes. Uh, yes. couple of months and seeing how has he really recovered from the shoulder injury and is that going to hold him back in the NFL? So, yeah, I can see it coming down the road. It's going to happen. Um, let's have a look at yeah, let's have a look at the NFC East matchup. And that is, of course, the Washington Commanders 10, the Dallas Cowboys 25. Cooper Rush remains undefeated as a starter, as a quarterback in the NFL. Unbelievable stuff here from um, the young quarterback while, of course, Dak is out injured. Um, a really tough day again for Carson Wentz, 25 of 42 for just 170 yards uh, with one touchdown and two interceptions and throw in, you know, two sacks in there as well. You know, it's uh, it's really tough for the commanders at the moment. You know, they started with that win and now followed by three losses. And um, like that, we do our, our, our hot seat rankings um, at the moment and you know Ron Rivera is in the top four um, and it, it it looks like if it wasn't for um, a certain head coach in Carolina he would be uh, first on that list yeah yeah it's it's looking bad for uh, for Washington their O-line just looked atrocious in the game I watched that game start to finish um, and in terms of just penalties false starts and missed blocks i don't know how carson wentz escaped with only two sacks in that game there was pressure on pretty much every drop back that he had um now that being said the the dallas cowboys looked pretty good in that game um i was putting mccarthy on the hot seat myself there at the start of the season but i mean starting three and one with his only loss coming against the buccaneers that's that's pretty good going and uh cooper rush you know if you believe uh i don't know if you do believe but jerry jones is saying we may have some quarterback controversy on the horizon uh <laughs> when dak prescott returns i don't buy that for a minute i think he's just uh trying to up the ratings but um yeah look cooper rush i'm on that cooper rush train 
Yeah. Um, it was also great to see Michael Gallup in this first game back score a touchdown after the ACL injury. Um, so they are getting healthier in the offense. Um, yeah, it, it, it's a weird one. I saw the Jerry Jones interview and um, he says that he mentioned that Dak is not going to be coming back this week for sure anyway. Um, they're facing the Rams this week. Um because he still can't grip the ball properly. So we'll see how long it's going to take for him to come back from that. Um, I still think it's going to be a couple of weeks, but you can't possibly think that, you know, Cooper Rush is going to beat Dak Prescott out in the QB battle in Dallas, do you? I just think Jerry Jones uh, thinks he has like a Tom Brady situation. Bruin, you know, give the money to Bledsoe and then he goes down. Brady comes in, wins the starting job. It's not going to happen. They pay... Dak Prescott too much and he has that little bit of a more diverse skill set right he can he can beat you with his legs as well as with his arm uh, I'm not the biggest Dak Prescott fan but I still think he's an upgrade on on Cooper Rush for the time being anyway all right fair fair enough fair enough um yeah so it's uh three and one for the for the Dallas Cowboys one and three for the commanders who sit bottom of the division Um, we're sort of you know we've been sort of robbed of a decent nfc east you know battle for the last couple of years it looks like we might be getting it now between the eagles and the cowboys and look i can't leave out the giants because their record speaks for itself too yeah exactly i like i like the giants this season real gritty real tough they're they're making those hard wins hard fought wins so yeah i think it's a it's a nice little battle brewing there definitely for sure and and once these matchups uh, happen because between these three teams, it's it's definitely going to be entertaining, and we're look finally getting something decent in the NFC East, and um, we are all here for it. Even though uh, our two NFC East supporters aren't here to to back us up on that, but that's okay. They can they can let us know how great the NFC East is next week when they're back. But let's move on to uh, let's have a look at the. Cleveland Browns going down uh, to Atlanta and losing 23-22. The Atlanta Falcons. Now, I must admit, I didn't see much of this game this week, um, but it looked like it was a bit of a struggle, especially for, for Mariota. Um, you know, 139 yards from just 19 attempts with an interception. Um, it was a lot of the damage was done on the ground. Um, although it wasn't called Arrow Patterson this week, it was it was Tyler um, Alligator. Uh, I hope that I'm pronouncing his second name right. Um, of course, Patterson actually going on IR now for four weeks. So fantasy football players, if you're looking for someone off the waiver wires, there you go. Tyler Allegher for the next four weeks is definitely one to have a look at. Or Caleb Huntley, who went for a touchdown and 56 yards in this one too. So, um, But one of the big questions in this game is, after the monster game Kyle Pitts had last week against Seattle, he only has one reception for 25 yards in this one from four targets and for a first round pick from last year that um everyone was so hyped about you know what can atlanta do to get him more involved in the passing game um yeah that's a a very good question i think the the um like the real answer there is just get a quarterback who can get the ball to him consistently um I don't really think very much of Mariota in the past game. But at the same time, you know, the the, the backup in um, 
his name escapes me drafted this season anyway um i don't i desmond ritter i don't see him being a whole lot better than Mariota. you know he was drafted in the the third or the fourth round which generally tends not to be uh, a polished polished qb coming right out of the draft um, so, yeah, it might be a down season for Kyle Pitts this season until he gets himself a quarterback who can throw him the football. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that it is Kyle Pitts, you know, struggle to adapt to the NFL or do you think it's the offensive scheme and the um, that is hampering his, uh, I wouldn't say development, but like making is stopping him from getting the numbers that um, people would have hoped he would have been getting? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. I think uh, one thing that you didn't actually mention is that defenses are kind of adapting to him as well, right? So they've they've now got tape on Kyle Pitts. They know his kind of um, his habits and this sort of thing. So they will be able to adapt, adapt. A second season is always, more than likely always, a down season for a receiver. Um, but like you said, the, the scheme over there on the offense, I think they've moved more towards... Uh, running the football and kind of playing around that mobile quarterback that they have and that kind of rules out the tight ends a little bit so maybe that's where uh, Kyle Pitts is missing out but I mean this guy he's not even a traditional tight end you can line him up outside you can line him up in the slot he's still gonna have success I think they need to really start scheming to get the ball into his hands because even after he makes that catch he is dangerous when he has the ball in his hands yeah, yeah, for sure. Crazy thing is with with Kyle Pitts, you know, one season and and four games into his NFL career, he has not scored a touchdown on US soil. His only touchdown coming in the London game last year against the Jets, which is a crazy stat to, to say. Like, I have one touchdown in the NFL, but I didn't score it on American soil. Unbelievable there, um, for that. So let's see. Hopefully, fancy players maybe don't lose faith in pits just yet it still is only four weeks you know you probably wouldn't you probably didn't draft them that high well at least i hope you didn't um so you know let's stick with them for a couple of more weeks before we uh we end up um we end up considering dropping them because if it is the case that mariota continues to struggle and desmond ritter comes in a new quarterback or a bad quarterback's best friend is his tight end so just remember that Remember that. Let's move on and let's talk about this game. I'm sorry, Rian. The Carolina Panthers uh, 16, the Arizona Cardinals 26. Um, what started out so well for the Cardinals, I was going to say Cardinals, for the Panthers with a Frankie Louvu interception going in for a, a pick six, going 10 nil up. You know, the Cardinals came back in this game and continued just to... Um, to pick away at the scoreboard and eventually broke away from the uh, the Panthers and another game where Baker Mayfield has struggled. Yeah, I think he had another five batted passes, which brings him to like 16 on the season in four games. Just ridiculous numbers. Um, I mentioned in our little group chat earlier on, uh, his QBR is 15.6 on the year. And when you take away play action from that, which is his best platform to throw off, he's at six. His QBR is six on the season. 
Um, now, in terms of his overall QBR, there has only been two quarterbacks through four games in the history of the league who have been worse than him, and that's Jamarcus Russell and Blaine Gabbert. So that's the kind of bar that's being set here. A lot of fans in the stadium were calling for Sam Darnold uh, at the end of the game. Now, everybody understands that he is still on IR. It's a little bit of a jest, a little bit of a jibe at uh, Baker Mayfield. But still, the question actually is there, is this guy going to succeed more so than Baker Mayfield in this offense? Um you know, at the start of last season, Sam Darnold looked like a competent quarterback. And I think most of that was down to Christian McCaffrey being available. Christian McCaffrey has been available this season for the entirety of the season. Uh, and Baker still hasn't been able to do the job. So the question is there, when Sam Darnold gets healthy, who is Matt Rule going to go with if he's still around, of course? Well, that's what the next question I was going to ask is about Matt Rule because we did see some reports um, leading into this game that, you know, um, Matt Rule has actually lost the dressing room. And, you know, if these reports are starting coming out, surely it's only a matter of time before, you know, owner David Tepper starts to sort of, you know, consider whether or not um, uh, Rule is the right man to go forward with this team. Yeah, I think so. So th- there's a lot of there's a lot of conflicting reports out there. Uh, some reports saying that the dressing room has been lost, but others reports saying that uh, David Tepper is willing to be patient and willing to stick with Matt Rule until things start to go right. Um, but I mean, you cannot continue to lose and lose in the fashion that the the Panthers have been with an absolute stalemate on offense. Um, and continue with the same guy in the head coach role, particularly when you have, you know, guys on your coaching staff at the moment who have had head coaching experience. Joe Judge was the, or not Joe Judge, uh, Ben McAdoo was the head coach of the Giants. Steve Wilkes for a short period was the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, These are two guys who must be looking up and going, why is this guy still on a job? I know. Um, I'm sure, and like that, I I do agree, and I think it's, you know, it is only a matter of time before they do decide to move on. Um, if that is the case, do you give the job to Ben McAdoo for the rest of the season until they can find a new head coach, or are you looking for your new head coach straight away? Uh, I don't think you're looking for your new head coach straight away because um, I think there's like a you can't go for interviews if you're already in a job you can't go for interviews until i think it's the last two weeks of the season or something like that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um so in terms of free asian coaches on the market at the moment uh, there's nobody really there that sticks out i think what really should happen is um put steve wilkes in as the interim coach uh keep mcadoo in his job at as the oc as much as that pains me to say because he has not called good games so far um and then get somebody off the McVeigh coach tree because that seems to be the kind of route forward, particularly if you have a running back like Christian McCaffrey. Uh, go get yourself a quarterback like Will Levis, who's already running in that kind of wide zone scheme down in Kentucky. Um, he'll be NFL ready day one. Um, because I think that's all really the Panthers are missing is that quarterback uh, to, to actually get rolling. Like it's, it's not the best offense in the world, but it's certainly, there's certainly enough weapons there to, um, to succeed in the league. Yeah. 
And before we move on, we should also mention JJ Watt, of course, who played in the game after um, having a heart procedure uh, during the week, um, which was kind of out of the blue because he did tweet just before the game on Sunday because um, he said that um, someone um, was going to leak the story, so he wanted to get ahead of it. Um, thankfully, he's okay. Um I would uh, suggest that everyone goes and watches his uh, press conference after the game on Sunday, um, where he he just see how emotional he was after winning the game, and you know how he was talking about how seeing his um, uh, his son to be um, ultrasound. And then having to see an ultrasound of his own heart, it's it's an interview there, or it's it's a it's a video that you should definitely watch and check out. And thankfully, he is a okay, and he was able to play and play well um, on Sunday. Let's move on then to Lambeau Field, the Green Bay Packers twenty-seven, the New England Patriots twenty-four. Uh, the Packers winning with a uh, overtime field goal from um Matt, from sorry. I was going to say, I was going to say Max Crosby, but uh, that's not who it is. Of course, <laughs> that would be pretty impressive. And Max Crosby cannot. I'd like score. to see that though. I'd I like would actually, I would love to see that too. Sorry, Mason Crosby, um, scoring the uh, winning field goal in a game that, you know, in our own prediction league, most of us locked up the win for the Packers in this game, thinking that because Mac Jones was out and Brian Hoyer was going to be playing, that. Uh, the Packers would win this game easily, but the Packers struggled in this game and the New England Patriots led by not Brian Hoyer, but by Bailey Zappi um, stayed in this game for uh, obviously till the very end, taking it to overtime and had a chance to win the game. There is one issue though, that I should bring up in this. And I don't know if, if you saw it watching the game back. Devontae Parker's touchdown. Did you see the, uh, the issue with that? No, uh, I did not. No, no. The play clock no. was it was pretty much at minus two seconds by the time the ball was snapped. The referees should have clearly Sorry. thrown yeah. that flag for delay of game. It was actually worse than the Justin Tucker one um, against the Lions last year, where that was about a second or two over the the, the play clock. Um, I I didn't see much of an argument from the from the Green Bay sideline. I think it should have been argued more, or it should have been checked. Something like this stuff has to be able to be checked. If scoring plays are reviewed, are all scoring plays are reviewed, the clock, the play clock should be one of those things that is reviewable. Yeah, I I, I kind of understand where you're coming from on this one. Like, it the the, the play clock is a big deal, and it's possibly something that should be reviewed but it's kind of like where do you draw the line right uh, if you're on a scoring play do you look at every single player across the o-line and did they make a hold because we know on pretty much every play in the nfl there is a hold and um, it's just can, lost I, in the middle of that i can understand that i can understand that okay you can't watch everything to make sure it's a perfect play and I know it's mostly just watching for if the feet are in bounds, if he makes a catch, you know, or if he's, if the quarterback doesn't go past the line of scrimmage. But, you know, this was so egregious. It was two, three seconds over the play clock that it should have been, it should have been called. And it, it should be something that should be considered because it's not something that you have to keep 
an eye out for in terms of like that. You don't have to watch every movement of the offensive lineman to make sure that there's not a hold. This is just a pretty clear-cut thing. Oh, the play clock's at zero. He still hasn't snapped the ball. It's a clear delay of game. So the the play shouldn't count. Yeah, I suppose. And it's 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 very much a black and white thing, right? I know there is that little bit of leeway where they say, clock hits zero, look up, and if the ball's not snapped, that's a, 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 a delay of game. Um, so yeah, I I don't see why this can't be called back because surely you know it's a penalty just like any other penalty. Um, I guess yeah, the way you put it there, I I I think I agree. This should have been should have been reviewed. Yeah, exactly. Well, it should be reviewable. Um, that's, reviewable. That's yeah, what yeah. I would say. It should be reviewable. Um. But like I should like that I should say as well, um, how are you feeling about Aaron Rodgers in this game? Um, he sort of is continuing with his season struggles, and you know you could hear audibly <laughs> how angry he was at his offensive line at one point because he tried to get the quick snap off, being vintage Aaron Rodgers, trying to catch the defense coming off the field slowly and getting that penalty. Um, but uh, yeah, it's not been it's not been the greatest of uh, times for Aaron Rodgers, despite the team being three and one. Yeah, yeah, it's it's been a weird one for Aaron Rodgers. You know, his his quarterback rating is sub sixty, which is absurd for him. Usually, he's like up in the hundreds. Um, but yeah, it, it was a weird one. He still had two hundred and fifty yards passing. Uh, he still had about sixty to seventy percent completion on his passes. Um, but he still didn't look like the Aaron Rodgers we know and some of us love, some of us hate. Um, yeah, just a strange one. I think it's going to develop as the season goes on, right? He is still very new to that wide receiver core. Romeo Dobbs and uh, and Watson uh, are two guys who he's just not familiar with throwing the ball. And even with um, their new guy that they picked up, Sammy Watkins, uh he he's not familiar with throwing the ball to him either. So the only guy he really has there who he's familiar with is uh, Cobb, Randall Cobb, and that guy should be in a in an old folks home at this stage. Um. So yeah, look, I expect for things to slowly get better for Green Bay, and they have the defense that they can rely on uh, as those growing pains occur on the offense. Yeah, and uh, let's move on to the last of the um. Sunday afternoon evening games that is the Chicago Bears 12 the New York Giants 20 the Giants go to 3 and 1 the Bears are now 2 and 2 a I guess a game that won't live long in the memory of a lot of folks obviously the the headlines from this game you know the the Giants were down to no <laughs> to no fit quarterbacks towards the end of the game Saquon Barkley again goes for over 100 yards again um, on the Chicago side of things, you know, Justin Fields uh, doesn't throw a, a touchdown pass, but also doesn't throw an interception in this game. Um, so um, there is improvements there from the quarterback in this sense. But the New York Giants, Rain, again, continuing their, their great start on their new head coach, Brian Daywell. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, another gritty win, you know, going down to their their emergency quarterback in Saquon Barkley at the end of the game. 200 rushing yards from quarterbacks in this game, if you count Saquon. Uh, but, yeah, uh, in terms of the Bears, Justin feels the longer this goes on, the longer this kind of 
terrible form continues the the more you have to kind of go is this guy suited to the nfl he has the physical traits and attributes but does he have the mental capability of winning games and you know just being a competent sound quarterback in the nfl and he is quite lucky to have that kind of running game behind him khalil herbert had another big game uh this week 77 yards on 20 carries um but yeah he just really needs to start elevating his game for the uh chicago bears to start winning you know yeah definitely for sure um we'll move on then quickly to the uh, primetime games i know we're a little short of time in this one but uh, the Sunday night football, the Kansas City Chiefs 41, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 31. Uh, Patrick Mahomes goes for uh, three touchdowns in this game, but also Tom Brady goes for three touchdowns in this game, but Brady fumbling the ball. And, you know, the sort the Chiefs in this game, you know, just really dominate proceedings in this uh, Super Bowl matchup, Super Bowl re- rematch, I should say. Yeah, and I think this scoreline flatters Tampa Bay a little bit. Uh, by my watching, Kansas City were by far the better team uh, the entire day. Um, Tom Brady, you know, we might start needing to put him in the same category as Dak Prescott and Carson Wentz because he was stat-stuffing uh, at the weekend. I, I thought, yeah, fine, he threw for 385 yards, uh, 31 points on the board, but did he really look like he was ever going to win that game? No, not at all. No, and like that, they only rushed the ball in this game six times. You know, three for uh, Leonard Fournette and three for Rashad White. Um, which I don't know was this a sort of uh, a game that Brady thought like I want to throw the ball? Like he threw the ball fifty two times in this game. Um, yeah, for don't, a forty five year old. Yeah, don't make your forty five year old throw the ball fifty two times in a game. That's just ridiculous. But that's the thing: was it them making Brady throw fifty two times, or was it Brady wanting to throw fifty two times? Is there something maybe in the thing in the the news that we heard this week? Brady wanting to go out and just let out a little bit of steam after the the supposed you know rumors in the gossip columns that we're seeing now. Uh, yeah, I'm not one hundred percent sure, but. He should know after 22 years in the league uh, that he cannot do it all by himself. He needs to at least sprinkle in the run uh, to be in with any chance of winning the game. When's the last time you saw uh, a team win a game while rushing the ball six times? Very good question. Very good question. That's it. It is, um, it, what, what's they call it? Complementary football, you know, and that definitely wasn't that by the Buccaneers um, on on Sunday night. Uh, let's quickly have a look at the Monday night football game that it was the NFC West matchup between the uh, LA Rams and uh, San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers beating the Rams 24 points to nine. Kyle Shanahan continues with his great record over Sean McVay. The Rams continue their poor start to the season. The 49ers defense continue their great start to the season. But all of that doesn't matter because Bobby Wagner got to absolutely clear a pro, a streaker on the field during the game. Yeah, that was a nice one to see. All right. It was my uh, favorite tackle of the entire game. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, but looking at this one, I was so surprised that the Rams were annihilated in this game. Like, I know that Shanahan has had the upper hand on McVeigh uh, in recent years, 
but for the Rams to only go to the red zone three times and all three times to come away with just a field goal, that's got to hurt. I have not seen this uh, this offense look as bad as they have. Uh, you know, coming off that Super Bowl, they didn't really lose any weapons uh, on the offensive side of the ball, so they should be better than they are. And I think a lot of that stems from um, Matthew Stafford. You know, he has two touchdowns and six interceptions or something mm-hmm. uh, over the first four games. That's not really good enough. Uh, I wonder, is that to do with the elbow injury that he's kind of struggling along with? Um, yeah, but it, it, in any case, it's 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 been a, a bad showing on offense. Yeah, I fully agree with you. It has, um, it has been poor by, by Stafford. And, you know, you mentioned that, like, they, they lose Odell. And they brought in Allen Robinson, and I think in in the first four weeks, obviously Allen Robinson is probably the big, biggest flop of the season so far, and he just hasn't been involved in the passing game now. Whether that's true, the fault of his own in his route running and in in practice, or Stafford just doesn't fully trust him, uh, we don't know. But um, we'll see how that progresses throughout the uh, throughout the whole season. And um, but yeah, a, a great win for the 49ers and a good bounce back win. Um, after last Sunday Night Football's uh, defeat uh, in Denver against the Broncos, where, by all accounts, the offense did not play well, but they did play well this week. And um, with, of course, Debo Samuel going for that huge touchdown run, breaking about 20,000 tackles on the way on the way there, too. Um, but that is where we're going to wrap up this edition of the show. Um, that is a review done for this week and before we go i should mention one more time that this show has been brought to you by locker Um, locker is a new sports app that centralizes premium sports content and puts the power in the hands of fans to personalize their world of sport including a range of premium nfl sources that can be tailored to your fan experience download the app for free in the irish or uk ios and play store today so big thank you to them for sponsoring this show and a big thank you to you Ryan, for hopping on with me this evening and a big thank you to you for asking some excellent questions oh well look at you you charmer i'm definitely having you back on again now next week but like i said we will be back later on though this week where we're going to be having a look at uh, the thursday night football in depth and we'll have a look at uh, the weekend's games a little bit too as well with that um but until next time Stay safe and we'll see you soon.